Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The wellness breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the wellness guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the country place. 10 acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17 to 19. It's each and every single one of you are gonna support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Gorgeous listeners, welcome back to Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And we thank you so much for joining us again this week. Uh, hopefully you've caught up to some of the episodes. We've had lots of emails shooting through saying that uh, people are trying to catch up to where we are. And uh, this is another episode today to go down the path of women's well-being, And this is really diving deep into the female health space. And it's all about, um, well, choosing your best birth control method. And there's a couple of reasons why we choose birth control. And of course, there's a couple of reasons why we choose certain types of birth control. And today we really want to talk about what, you know, your fertility options are, what your prevention options are, what are some of the risks and the things that can cause problems in the choices we make. And I guess go through bit by bit some of the great things you can be doing to guarantee not only your preventative, I guess, con- contraception methods, but then also for later on that you don't damage your potential future conception, which a lot of people don't think about until they're suddenly going, oh, I want to have kids. And they don't realize they've already done some things in the years beforehand that may actually compromise that. Yeah. Oh, Ashton, I love what you just said there. And you totally hit the nail on the head. Um, it is about making conscious choices and understanding the pros and cons of each of those choices and making sure that whatever decision you're making right now is not going to detrimentally affect your health in later years. Um, this is such a massive topic. We're not going to dive deep into every single type of contraceptive choice today um, because each of them are individual episodes all on their own. We're going to let you know what your options are, but we're going to talk about something really important, and that is you know, the natural fertility methods, which you can use either for conception or contraception as well. Uh, and it's a pretty exciting topic, and this is something that women should be taught at school. I wholeheartedly believe that we should have this information readily available to us, and I, I think that 
our great grandmothers all knew this information. And I'm sure that they were taught this by their mothers as well. But somehow it's been sort of lost in translation along the way. Um, but there's definitely been a bit of a resurgence of it recently. Uh, so this is exciting. It is. And it really comes down to your intentions. You know, what, what are you choosing contraception for? Is it to avoid pregnancy? Is it as you might have been taught somewhere along the way or a friend told you that you're now trying to regulate your fertility, regulate <laughs> your cycles? You know, because a lot of women, I know my personal experience is that put on the contraceptive pill because of irregular menstrual cycles, mm-hmm. um, albeit I was a 17-year-old, highly active, uh, national-level athletic uh, training level, which means that already my cycles are going to be infected by high volume intensity training and obviously low body fat at that time of my life. So, yeah, it's it's amazing the things we've been told along the way and the things you trust, you think you know to be true, and then all of a sudden one day something's said or something opens your eyes. And the the clincher for me was someone said, "You realize when you're on a pill, that's not a true bleed, that's not a true cycle." Mm-hmm. And I was just like, "What the heck?" And what does yeah. that mean, Andrew? Like if, if one thinks that they're having true cycles, what are they actually um, having? When you're on – so in, in particular, we're talking about the oral contraceptive pill, right? So this might be the mini pill, which is more progesterone-related, or it might be the combined contraceptive pill, which um, has both estrogen and progesterone, um, synthetic versions of that in it. So the reason it doesn't regulate your cycle is because when you're on that and you have a period, quote unquote period, you're actually having a hormone withdrawal bleed. So those placebo pills that people often refer to as the sugar pills um, in in your contraceptive there um, are, you know, a placebo and it's creating a withdrawal of the hormones that you've had for those, you know, 28 days in that month that then coming off those is creating a bleed um, through the through the universe and through the vagina there. So it's it's not a period by any stretch of the imagination. It's better to have that rather than not have that. <laughs> so if you're so, like me, skipping them repeatedly so that I wouldn't ever coincide in a, in a bleeding cycle during a yeah. competition, for example, major competitions, exactly. I would always skip cycles and I could go six months with no bleeds because it was damn convenient. And you know what, Ash, I, I think that you have to be realistic. In your circumstances, most women would do the same thing. You know, if you have a very specific purpose, you're doing something that you absolutely love, you're obviously so passionate about it, and you're in your element competing at that level, then for a short period of time, that's okay. But you've got to understand that then you there are repercussions to those choices that you're making. And sometimes it can be really difficult to regulate your cycle after that. It's not impossible, but it can be tricky. Um, something that's quite heartbreaking is seeing women who are in their, you know, 30s and or late 20s or 30s who have amenorrhea. So they have no period. Um, and it can be from the hormonal contraceptive cho- choices that they made in their teenage years for these purposes, so to perform as a top-level athlete or to enjoy their holidays while they're away with their family and not have their period. But these things have consequences because you can't affect your you know, ovulation, you can't affect your fertility and not affect your brain. And you can't chemically castrate yourself, which is what the oral contraceptive pill is, you know, we don't need to hash over that. It's That's an important distinction to make, that it is chemical castration. That is the class that the drug is put into. Um, when you're doing that to yourself, even temporarily, it has consequences. Um, but 
what I would like to encourage women to do is whatever is best for your lifestyle and your health is what you should choose. So, you know, that, that served its purpose for you perfectly there. Um, and there are stacks of hormonal choices that women can make. So we've talked about two there. There's the, the pill, the combined pill, um, depending on your hormonal profile will depend which one will sit better with you. There's a lot of women who don't do very well on the mini pill or the progesterone only pill. They might find that they will bleed consistently through that, or they might find that they have a lot more mood changes on that as well. Um, so, you know, that's just something to consider. There's other things um, like there's the monthly injection hormones, there's a hormonal patch, which you can't get as readily available in Australia, but, um, you know, certainly in the US and the UK you can. Or there's the vaginal ring called the Nuva ring. Um, so these are still hormonal contraceptive choices, as is the marina as well. So that's the insertable um, IUD or the intrauterine device. Um, and just as a disclaimer for the marina, this shouldn't be given to any women who haven't had children. Yeah. So that yep. information is on the drug uh, packet or the, the paraphernalia that the drug companies give you. It's readily available information on their website as well. So please go and read that before you make a decision to have a marina. It is the most popular form of contraception that all doctors are giving to young women these days because you will. it's very unlikely that you'll actually have a period on the marina at all. Um, it's an insertable device. Its um, efficacy is very, very high, meaning that its rate of failure is low so you don't have much risk of getting pregnant on it but it also has risks associated with it so there is a chance that it can um, implant within to the uterus it can even um, uh, perforate the uterus or the cervix or the vagina um, it can dislodge as well um, but remember it should not be given to women who haven't had children yet so this is something that i'd be discussing with your healthcare practitioner yeah, and there's um, also the implant as well, the implant on, which you know yeah. that little flexible rod that can be injected into the under under the skin in the upper arm. Mm -hmm. um, another one we didn't mention as well is the copper IUD. So we've got obviously the um, the Nuva ring, but there's also copper IUD and yeah. hormonal yep. IUDs. So look, these are and options. These are all things that are out there, and of course, you know, stock standard the um, condoms, and they are also incredibly important because look, all of these things are fantastic. We can all have these wow, I'm not going to fall pregnant, but we also want to be really aware of our risks of contracting uh, sexually transmitted infections. So, yeah. you know, also having barriers that will prevent that sort of a risk as well because those there are some certain conditions, certain infections that can really damage your fertility in the future. So it's so important as well to be considerate of use of condoms as well. So we really do advocate oh, for such yeah. an advocate for safe sex. Um, it's something that I've just always been really, really aware of. I think, you know, for women, you really need to consider when you're out and about, when you're meeting your partners uh, to know someone well enough before you remove those barriers because of the fact that we really have to protect our future fertility. And yet when we're 16, 17, you know, 25 even, we're not thinking that way. And all of a sudden that day comes and click and we go, oh, my goodness. And you've got this uphill battle. And, you know, sometimes it's not just as simple as going, oh, well, okay, we'll just sort this out in a year. It can take a lot, lot longer than that. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think that talking about STIs or STDs is probably a, um, I think that's an episode all unto itself because a lot of them can mimic all sorts of different things. Your exposure to different things can be from, you know, various methods. But I like what you're talking about there, Ash, about the, the barrier methods. And so there's the temporary barrier methods, which are um, 
you know, your condoms, either the male or female condom, um, you can get latex or non-latex versions. Um, and some actually have different sensations and the ones that are made out of non-latex version actually transmit heat better. So, you know, you might um, have better sensations with different things. Um, but don't forget the good old-fashioned diaphragm. So I know this is very 80s and a lot of women will think this is very 80s. No, it doesn't protect you from STI. So this is, you know, if you're with your long-term partner and you know you both have been tested and you're absolutely fine, um, it does take a bit of the spontaneity out of it, unfortunately, but the diaphragm is still, and you can use it with or without spermicides. Um, that That's a personal choice, but with the spermicide, it's about 99% effective. Um, you do have to have it fitted correctly to you. So there's a few different sizes. Um, it's a little bit fiddly but it's really, really effective. Um, it's non-hormonal. It's not going to change sensation with intimacy, which is, you know, two big pluses right there. Um, but, you know, there is there is a couple of downsides. So people often forget that diaphragms even exist, but I want to create a resurgence of this if this is something that, uh, that you're interested in. Um, the copper IUD actually has one of the highest rates of satisfaction for all women who've actually used different types of contraception. Um, the, so just like the Marina, it is an insertable intrauterine device. Um, it can make your periods a bit heavier and a bit longer. And if left in for too long, copper can actually start to mimic estrogen hormones um, and can interfere with uh, receptor sites and things like that. But um it has the highest rate of satisfaction of all the contraceptive methods except the um, natural fertility methods. So, again, that and the diaphragm is something that, that's often forgotten. I would certainly support the use of a copper IUD over the marina any day. Um, that, that would definitely be my choice and something that I would recommend for, for my patients as well. Yeah, um, the bonus with those is longevity as well because I know that the copper IUD can be five years to up to ten years um, depending yeah. on which device you've used. So there are certainly benefits for women who are possibly, you know, between children or have had children and they're, you know, post-children um, and they don't want to affect things like their breastfeeding capacity, then, mm -hmm. of course, they can also use those. So, that's yeah, there's some exciting options there, which women, we really ask you to do your research um, and just don't take it for granted that you're going to get uh, the best option told to you when you go and see your GP because they may not be aware of your personal situation and what your needs are. So, do your mm -hmm. research before you go and make sure you have an informed conversation with your doctor because they're really great. They give great advice. However, the advice that I never got through uh, through my medical checks in the years that I've gone to doctors, uh, you know, for different female health and reproductive checks, um, and you know, women, you should be doing your pap smears. That's a great time to have a chat to your doctor. It's a great time to have a have a checkup. But no one ever had a chat to me about what we call fertility awareness based methods. So that's really what we want to get into in this episode today. Um, quite simply because we believe, and, and one of the big mantras of the wellness women philosophy is that the informed woman can make informed choices about her health and well-being, not just now, but for the rest of her life. And so that means education. That means you need to be, uh, informed about what your body does, about how it works, about why it does what it does, and then understand the, the signs and signals that your body's giving you on a day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. Um, because then you start to pick up patterns and you understand your own fertility, you understand your own body. Uh, that is so empowering, don't you think? Oh, yeah, I love this. And this is something that I actually teach in my practice every month. So once a month, I run a workshop called Secret Women's Business, <laughs> which I think that and, and when you understand some of this, you'll understand why it's called Secret Women's Business, where we actually talk a lot about 
the natural fertility method. So um, when we're talking natural fertility, um, we're also meaning understanding the signs and signals that your body is giving you that is telling you when your most fertile time is of the month, which you can then make a decision to either avoid intercourse or to go for gold, (laughs) depending on what your goal is. So this information is relevant to you no matter what you're trying to achieve. And it's also relevant even if you're not, um, you know, with someone at the moment and you're just wanting to understand your cycle, these practices are essential for understanding what's happening for you hormonally throughout your cycle. It's amazing. Women get this perfect little report card every month about what's happening for them hormonally. And that is in the form of your period and also um, your cervical mucus. And so we're about to dive into some nitty gritty stuff that our amazing body does. But, you know, we're women, we've seen it all, I've done it all. We can totally handle this. So don't get too squirmish. Um, I just want to preface this though with a, with a funny little story. Um, during one of my secret women's business workshops, we were about to get to the point where we start actually talking about cervical mucus. And this is the the mucus that the vagina um, makes, which is either your most potent spermicide, so protective um, kind of barrier, or it's your most potent fertility aid. And I had just switched to this slide on my presentation up on this huge screen in, in the practice. And I've got a cartoon image of, you know, some fingers with some fertility, some fertile mucus between the fingers because it's stretchy egg white like consistency um, with the, you know, words up in bold saying fertile mucus on the, on the top of the screen there. Just as I had flicked to that slide, one of my patients who is an Irish uh, gridiron, sorry, an American gridiron player, he's this big Irish dude, but he plays. American gridiron football walked through the front door (laughs) and saw the slide and saw what was on the slide and his face was priceless he (laughs) he he could not have got out of there faster he went bright red he was like I'm not supposed to be here and it's like no no not not for this workshop and he's never lived that down and it's pretty funny um poor James uh I'll just do a a shout out to him now because I know he tunes in every now and then (laughs) oh look Um, and to be fair though you know this is the thing guys don't hear this stuff and I certainly know that uh it's well it takes a certain level of familiarity with a a partner before you can bring this stuff up I I certainly wouldn't recommend first dates sort of topics of conversation (laughs) even if you're super passionate about it like someone like Andrea that could talk about this all day long but um I certainly like this is something my husband understands and he's not squirmish about and he totally gets it and he thinks it's freaking amazing and he's like wow that's so that's so cool like guys don't get those <laughs> yeah. clues you know they just get you know stuff come out uh, for two reasons to urinate or to <laughs> or to ejaculate and they don't really get any other body signals down there so for him he's like wow like it changes through the month really and you know I've Actually, talked I can about just it. see his little scientific engineering brain <laughs> yeah, yeah. like going around like the little cogs turning trying to understand the physiology of what's happening there so yeah. I think that would appeal to the analytical scientific side of him which I think yeah. is, is quite funny but um, I think even the squirmish guys um you know if you're genuinely in a, a loving relationship where family possibly is on the cards one day then this is stuff you have to have a conversation about eventually ladies you need to have these uh conversations because guys are such an 
transitioning to part of your life. Um, and one day, you know, if you're popping out a baby in front of them, they, they kind of need to be ready for the goo and the gore and all the stuff that's going to happen down <laughs> that end. So you may as well start with cervical mucus before a head's popping out. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a pretty good point. That's uh, probably a nice, safe introduction. And it also, if you have a conversation with them about it and you start to chart your cycle and you've got your charts on the back of the bathroom door, they'll understand a little bit more about what the hell you're talking about. But it also might give them a bit of an awareness of what's happening for you emotionally throughout the month and how to better support your needs too. Um, yep. But we can go into that in a little while. Um, now, when we refer to cervical mucus, what we're actually talking about is um, a, a mucus production that's made in the crypts of the cervix. So at the very top of the vagina, there's the opening of the cervix. Above that, that leads into the uterus is where your cervical crypts are. Now, the cervical mucus is made in there. When it's at its peak, it, it goes in association with your hormone estrogen, which is one of your ovarian hormones, and it will peak at around the time of ovulation. And the best way to pay attention to this is just to notice the condition or the sensations that you're feeling within the inside and the outside of your vagina. And just rest assured, there's hundreds of thousands of tiny little sensitive nerve endings um, at the opening of the vagina to allow you to feel this. Um, so even as you're sitting there listening to us, even just trying to tune in to that part of your body, you don't necessarily have to go, you know, really digging around for this <laughs> information. Like literally, I, I mean that, but it, it can be helpful as well when you're trying to get used to it. Um, but just feeling what that sensation feels like is going to help you to understand what's actually happening for you and which part of the, the cycle that you're in. So at, once you've had your period, everyone knows what that feels like. It's those wet, warm sensations. Now your fertile mucus feels the same in terms of, of that wet sensation, but it's cold. So instead of being blood warm, it's cold. Um, do, you're following along with me, Ash, right? You you know oh, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yep, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And I know you're this. all over this. I just <laughs> want to make sure what I'm actually saying is actually sensical. Um, yeah. It's hard when it's audio and I can't actually show you pictures of this stuff, but we will certainly post it all over social media, so don't you worry. Um, okay, so what, but, what we're going to go through now just to sort of, I think, frame this quickly because otherwise, yeah, yeah, I see why this is a tricky topic to not do visuals on. Um, yeah. There's basically four key phases and those key phases in ovulation have different types of mucus, cervical mucus. And you've got a pre-ovulatory phase, yeah, and then you've got a fertile phase, a highly fertile phase, and a post-ovulatory phase. And this is when we can actually detect the changes in the cervical mucus appearance and obviously body temperature changes too, which falls into the basal temperature methods that um, you can actually track and monitor temperature as well, which can give you mucus plus temperature to give you symptothermal methods. So this, there's uh, a, yeah. do you see what I mean? So there's a couple of layers to this. So let's just talk mucus only right now. And we'll yep. talk about, you know, those key things. So the fertile phase you just mentioned, cool, moist. Um, so sticky. what that will, yeah, what that will re resemble is almost like egg white consistency. Yeah. So it should be fairly clear. It should be quite productive. Um, it will be stretchy. Um, it's kind of like that jelly-like and it will feel very wet. Um, it will feel very wet and it will feel very cold. Um, when you are gearing up to ovulate, typically women will have about three of those wet days. So this is typically the transition within your cycle going from that follicular phase to the luteal phase. So that first part of your cycle, you're gearing up to ovulate. Typically, you'll have about three wet days and it's the last wet day 
where you'll ovulate. So most women, about 99% of women will ovulate within 24 hours of that last wet day. So if you're using these methods for contraception, you need to be avoiding that really fertile time when you're getting that wet mucus. You also need to be very careful when you're starting to get the moist symptoms leading up to the very fertile time. Yeah, because a lot of the women think that you can only get pregnant when the egg's released, but the fertile phase is actually leading up to it because when you have sex unprotected, those little semen hang around for a while. So so they're going to hang around there in that fertile phase um, until that egg's released and then they'll chase it down and uh, if they're successful, that's when uh, conception occurs. So it is important to realise that uh, it's not the egg release that is the fertile only phase. It's the, the couple of days leading up to it as well which, you know, ranges from 27% up to 33% fertility chance. So yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. that's and quite a high, fertile high risk. Is, is part of that because what it's actually doing is actually creates these little speed channel highways mm. for the sperm to travel up through the cervix. And then once you get to that peak of ovulation, the estrogen softens the lining of the cervix that allows the sperm to pass through that area. But the cervical mucus will nourish the sperm and keep it healthy until it's ready to do what it needs to do. Um, So that's part of its job. It it helps with transport and nutrients as well, which is pretty incredible that our body is designed to aid fertility like that. So if you're using these methods for contraception, so we're avoiding getting pregnant, you need to avoid the time. Okay. So definitely the few wet days that you're getting, the few moist days leading up to that, you need to be very, very careful. And then you need to wait at least three days after your peak wet day, at least three days. All right. So that's a minimum of six days that you're avoiding, or you're using barrier methods through this time. Okay, so be careful. Outside of that time, if you use these methods with withdrawal, it's between 95 to 99% effective if used correctly. So these methods used with withdrawal are 95 to 99% effective if used correctly, which is as effective as any of the other contraceptive methods out there. So as effective as the pill, as effective as the marina and those sorts of things too. Yeah. Um, so and it's pretty exciting. It is, and it's fantastic because there, again, is a great deal of control and understanding about your body. However, withdrawal method requires two to tango there. You know, withdrawal method is when the male uh, withdraws out of the vagina before they ejaculate. And the key there is a guy who's inexperienced in, in sex is less likely to know when they're about to ejaculate. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. The science yeah. says so. So, you know, I sort of say, look, an inexperienced sexual partner doesn't have as much self-control or awareness about that. So there can be risks involved with that. Um, particularly throw in a couple of things like alcohol and you've got a much higher risk because guys are definitely not in tune. They're not, not, not uh, sensory aware to the changes and when they're about to ejaculate. So just remember that even though pulling out is a great concept, um, if a guy, you know, ejaculates prematurely or he's not aware of his capacity, you know, for threshold, then unfortunately he might already start feeling it and then go, okay, now I've got to get out of there. But it's too late because you've already potentially released some semen into the, the vagina. And if you are um, going for more than, say, one round a night, <laughs> You know, well, awesome. then, yeah, I'm yeah. very, that's amazing. You need to back it the up, guys cover up. Need to, 
Yeah, yeah, and he needs to empty his bladder between um, between sex because the urine is sterile. It helps to essentially it cleans the pipes. <laughs> okay, yeah. so it helps to it will remove the seminal fluid from that area. Urine and seminal fluid come from two different areas. Um, so yeah, it, it literally cleans the pipes. So. What I would suggest is using barrier methods during your fertile time or abstinence if that's what you choose. However, a woman's libido is highest during that time for obvious reasons because that's when you're most fertile. That's when baby making is supposed to happen. Um, So be very, very careful around then and make sure you wait three days after that peak wet day. Okay. And then typically it's it's safe to go for gold and to enjoy your partner. Um, if you're using these methods for conception, okay, so you're really trying to get pregnant, then those wet, fertile days that you have is when you need to pay most attention. That's when you need to be, you know, really um, making the most of your partner. And it's not just day 14 of your cycle, okay? So a lot of people have got those fertility apps or the uh, period trackers. And on that, it will tell you that day 14 on average is when you're ovulating. So you'll go for gold that one day a month but you've missed your best window because day 14 for most women in my experience is not when they're ovulating. It's when they're gearing up to ovulate, but it may not happen for two days after that. So it may not be until day 16 or even day 18 of your cycle when you actually ovulate. So remember it's your last wet day. So this is why charting these changes on a calendar, specifically your cervical mucus changes, is so important because you can only know this information retrospectively um, because it's, you know, it's always that last wet day, which is the most important. That's when, you know, 99% of women will actually ovulate within 24 hours of that last wet day. Yeah, and it can take a good three to six months to get your charts, you know, to a pattern that you can understand for yourself. And the reason that we love this so much is because, Regardless of whether you have a you know typical 28-day cycle or if it's longer, say 35, or if it's shorter, say 21, it doesn't matter because you start to understand when your fertile window is. Because, for example, I definitely have always had a longer than average cycle. So if I was just to go off the 28-day calendar and that's when I'm fertile and that's when it's going to happen, um, I'd have missed fertile windows the whole way through. And also that means that I increase the risk of pregnancy or decrease the risk of pregnancy depending on the intention. So I think, you know, for women, this is why we we really want you to get this is because regardless of your cycle length, you get control. You don't have to sort of just rely on the standard data, which talks about 28-day cycles. Um, You can tailor it to your specific needs and your specific physiology and your body's functions, um, which is pretty exciting. I mean, 35-day cycles, for example, ovulation can happen around day 21 and anywhere between 19 and 23. Like that's such a different window to someone who's a 28-day cycle. And uh, if your advice has only ever been on 28 days, then you're either really increasing your risk of falling pregnant when you don't want to um, or you've been trying so hard and it's not working for you because you're just not in sync. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, ladies, you can also use the ovulation predictor kits where you're peeing on the stick. It will tell you, you know, it'll give you, might give you the smiley face, the sad face or or nothing at all. they can't tell you when you're ovulating. They can detect a hormone change or a surge in your hormones, but it's not going to, they're not specific enough to tell you when you're ovulating. So the beauty of this method is that 
You don't need any special equipment. You don't need to remember to take a pill or a potion every single day. This is just something that your body does naturally that you can tune into, that you can use to your advantage. And depending on what your objective is, either whether it's contraception or conception, this is relevant for each of those, which is amazing. Now, women with PCOS, this is also helpful for you because typically um, you're going to be ovulating at different times of the month. Your body might gear up to ovulate a couple of times um, or not at all. So this is going to help you to track those changes. Um, for those of you that want more specific information about the cervical mucus, um, there's a couple of resources that we'll give you. So this method was originally coined by the Billings doctors. Um, so there were two Australian doctors who started to do all the research on cervical mucus and its uh, fertile capacity. Um, so there's a book called The Billings Method that you can get from any good bookstore that's a great read. There's another one called Natural Fertility by Francesca Naish, um, which I think goes into really clear, um, I think it's pretty succinct and gives you really good info about how to track these changes naturally. So you might have heard this being referred to as the Billings Method as well. Um, your fertile mucus or your cervical mucus, sorry, um, might change a little bit depending on stress, your diet, your lifestyle, um, if you've taken any medication or if there is infection present as well. Um, if you've been on horm uh, hormonal contraception before, then it's absolutely going to change your, your cervical mucus because of how it responds to uh, particularly estrogen. So if you've come off the pill recently and you can't figure this out yet, um, just be patient. Keep tracking it because it should start to regulate, but you may need some support to you know get that to regulate in the first place. So definitely speak to your natural health practitioners or speak to us to help um, you with some advice for that. Um, and, oh, there was one last thing I was going to say. Oh, that's right. Now, if you haven't really paid close attention to this um, or, and you're talking to your girlfriends about it, for example, um, it will differ from woman to woman, but it should be fairly consistent for each woman each month. Um, so except for in the circumstances where if you've just come off hormonal contraception. So you should start to recognize those patterns. Um, all the research shows that 97% of women after one month will be able to clearly track cervical mucus changes. So it's definitely not impossible. It's really, really nice and easy. It just requires attention. Yeah, um, and you've got you've got to learn awesome. it first. So that ninety seven percent is probably a small fraction of the population that actually <laughs> actually knows their their cycle and knows their fertility chart as well. Um, we mentioned earlier yeah. the sympathermal method. I just want to close that out with um, explaining just the second part of that because cervical mucus is one thing, and if you're one of those people which a bit like me wants to know everything and needs to to kind of have all the details put together, then also recording basal body temperature um, mm -hmm. each day before you get out of bed is another really great way because. It's a, another sort of coupled method to give you a higher likelihood of accuracy. Um, and what that means is that your basal body temperature is your baseline body temperature. And by doing it before you get up and moving, you're ensuring some accuracy each and every day. Um, around sort of ovulation after ovulation, it's about a half degree increase in temperature. So you kind of get that feeling. Somewhere that, like I'm very aware of it. I'll notice I'm hotter at night. I'm throwing a blanket off. I'm I'm a little bit sweaty possibly. Like I notice that change in temperature because of the bed clothes that I have or, you know, I would need to wear lighter pajamas. Like, God, I'm really warm tonight, um, even though it may not be a hot night. And that's a really, you know, uh, I guess an awareness sign. Um, but then mm. if you're tracking your fertility and you're tracking the temperature, you can actually see that recorded on a on a chart. You know, you track each day your exact temperature and you'll see that little rise and you go, oh, okay, there's ovulation. 
Yeah, awesome. Um, just ladies, make sure that you need a special thermometer to do this. So it's called a basal body thermometer. You can get it from any chemist. Um, they're as cheap as $20. Um, you don't need the $80 one. The $20 one will do the job perfectly. You need to take it at the same time each day before you get out of bed. And it can fluctuate slightly if you need to get up during the night to empty your bladder or you have alcohol the night before. But these changes um, tracked over time is going to give you really clear, consistent findings as to what your body is doing hormonally, which is pretty amazing. Um, so we would love to know if you've actually tried any of these methods before, if you've been using them already and what you've found and how this has actually helped you tap into your body. Uh, we want to know if you're using it for contraception or conception and you know whether or not this is working for you um, because you are almost like our... Um, Oh, our sample data population. So we would love <laughs> not, not to guinea know. pigs. Don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely not guinea pigs. We don't want you to be uh, experimenting with this stuff necessarily because you know we're talking about fertility. We're talking about pregnancy. You know, these uh, this is pretty important stuff. Um, but we want to know if you've tried it before, and if not, if you're willing to give it a go and do it safely. And if you need more information about this, please make sure you're communicating with us on our social media. Um, so you can find us on facebook.com uh, forward slash the wellness women or underscore um, the wellness women on Instagram as well. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. Uh, or you can just, um, you know, write us some questions on our website as well. We'll certainly try endeavor to get back to you as soon as we possibly can. Um, so ladies, we hope we've yeah, great episode. Love that. Love hopefully it's, yeah. <laughs> hopefully it's something that understands because we get excited about this topic. This is something that uh, we have no qualms talking about and you still see a lot of women get uncomfortable about it, but I really want us to all just be kind of cool with it and, you know, give us that uh, freedom to talk about something that's just so important and so yeah. relevant and also just so important for understanding our health and well-being. Um, in order to be able to track health, you need to have some signs and signals from your body to understand what normal is and therefore anything that moves away from that normal is your innate understanding of your body's changes. So it allows you to then get uh, medical assistance if there's something happening that you should be identifying sooner rather than later. So there's a lot of preventative medicine involved in this as well, which we're really excited about because we think the more you know, the better you do. Um, Ash, one thing that, that we didn't clarify is that uh, the cervical mucus that is really thick white almost like clag glue so it's and it can be very productive as well that you might be getting maybe at the start of your cycle or at the end of your cycle after ovulation this is termed the non-fertile mucus um, and it actually forms a barrier across the cervix and its ph is very acidic so it actually kills sperm on contact so again this is your most potent spermicide sorry we forgot to just mention that in there we'll post this on social media anyway so you can start to recognize the differences between the fertile mucus and the non-fertile mucus so the white claggy stuff is the safer time to have sex yeah yeah yep. totally okay yep. got it Absolutely. awesome um Ladies, make sure you tune in next week. We have a really, really exciting episode coming up where um, we're going to announce something pretty exciting. Uh, I'm not going to give anything away yet. You'll have to wait until next week, uh, but make sure you join in. Um, I'm actually going to be interviewing our beautiful Dr. Ashley Bond. Um, so we've got something exciting to tell you, but uh, until next week, ladies, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Impossible Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.